0: It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour
1: number two of Light the Tower on the Horn. Jeff Howe, Craig Way. Cameron Parker. Uh, yeah, Cameron just brought this to my attention during the break, and within the last few minutes, it's popping up on various news outlets. Uh, Cameron, give me breaking news sounder. Did not expect to be reporting on this today. Uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive lineman Charles Amenahu was arrested on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence Monday, according to a news release from the San Jose Police Department. I'm reading this from ESPN.com. Amenahu was booked at the Santa Clara County Jail and was released after he posted bail. who was also served with a restraining order. Police arrived at our residence at 4.39 p.m. local time after a woman called to report that Aminahu, who is her boyfriend, pushed her to the ground during an argument. No visible injuries were observed on the woman, and she declined. Medical attention police said the case will be submitted to the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office for possible charges. Quote, we are aware of the matter involving Charles Amenahu and are in the process of gathering further information, the 49ers said in a statement. Amenehu, 25, is a key member of the team's defensive line and has four and a half sacks this season. The 49ers will visit the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday in the NFC Championship game. So that, like I said, not the uh, story I was expecting to drop this morning, but uh, that's an unsavory situation Mm -hmm. that Charles Amenehu finds
0: himself in this morning. Unpleasant. No, no doubt about it. Uh, in in um, with regard to a first hour uh, cleanup, our man CB says, "Did you see the uh, videos of the cowboy fans destroying their televisions?" I did.
1: I Those did. are so staged. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, put it this way: if someone is capturing video of you, like on the phone, of you taking a taking a, yeah. a six iron to your to to your HDTV. They planned to do that. (laughs) Probably means they got in touch with
1: Tom McKay and they're about to upgrade.
0: Yeah, said, "Listen, uh, Tom, I'm I'm going to need a new 75 inch HDTV, so I'm going to you'll you'll see the evidence of it soon Mm -hmm. enough. So, but you know, the frustration is to each their own, I guess. I don't know. You know, uh, (laughs) I I I like watching uh, Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center, and he you know did it was Sports Center with SVP last night, and his whole. his whole uh, big uh, take was about cowboy fans and the and what has happened with the cowboys here. Dear, why do we punish ourselves not for rooting for the cowboys? Why do you punish yourselves with the angst? when you know it's going to happen every year until it doesn't. And he and it, it showed all his video of people setting jerseys on fire and smashing the televisions and all of that kind of stuff. So
1: yeah. I don't think I've ever burned, destroyed, done anything like that out of anger as the result of a sporting event.
0: My oldest son did. Andy was angry uh, uh, about a, um, uh, a Longhorn loss. Mm-hmm. And he took an old jersey that he couldn't even wear anymore was the thing. And he was like trying to set it on fire in the backyard. And Laurie walked out there, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> was trying to do it. And I said, that boy has been watching too much sports on TV. Uh,
1: And uh, to the texter, no, you know, in Florence, if you wanted to settle a score back in my day, you met at the propane tanks. And no, I didn't know anyone in Florence who sold propane and propane accessories, unfortunately. You didn't know too many people that sold propane and propane accessories. But there is is a story I'll hear every day. Somebody will give me a scenario, something that happened to them, something that's going to happen. There will be a point in time in every day where I can relate that to a King of the Hill episode. Absolutely. Like Sunday, we're driving to Cedar Park. Charlotte's going to this birthday party, right? Mm-hmm. My wife tells him about this TikTok video she watched where this kid brings a raccoon in the house, asks, her mom, asks his mom if, she, if he can keep it. And I'm like, so is that like the episode of King of the Hill where Bobby had the pet raccoon named Bandit and Hank didn't like it and then it attacked Lady Bird and he got mad at Bobby? Yes. And she's like, I guess. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's exactly
0: like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. You can relate it to uh, life. Our our friend Stoner, uh, in talking about the lump uh, lump. Some payment versus the uh, versus the payout. He says it's chess versus checkers. The reason the lump sum invested at guaranteed rates compounded will always outperform the payments option over twenty years of payments. Just math. Why? Why is Bucky Godbolt calling me right now? Doesn't he know that I'm on the air? Answer it.
1: I'm gonna take this. Hold I, I, on. I, yeah. Answer. No answer. Let's let's hear this. Bucky, what's up?
0: <laughs> Bucky. He must have died. Did dialed you pocket you. dial me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's talking to somebody. Okay. I was like, why? He
1: knows I'm on the air right
0: now. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> he does know. He does know that. Uh, somebody said, no true Cowboys fan gets frustrated. I've learned to have low expectations. True, well, True. Uh, Still,
1: you get emotionally wrapped up into it. When it got to, after the Cowboys punted, Craig, on that uh, that drive where they had like four or five minutes left, whatever it was. Yeah. And I was like, I know exactly how. I told myself, I said, I know how this is going to end. They're going to get the ball back with just enough time to give people just enough hope that they can drive down and score and send the game to overtime, and it's going to end disastrously.
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, see, and here was a text I got from my son yesterday about this. Uh, to give you background, when Andy was little, like so many other kids, he picked out a team that he liked because of uniforms and name and pizzazz and all that in the mid-'90s, so... His, and they were good at the time. His first favorite team was the Jaguars. And when they had Fred Taylor and Mark Brunel, he had a Mark Brunel jersey and all that kind of stuff when they made a couple of AFC championship game appearances. Bucky's calling me again. Cost me a pocket dial. Um, so so there's, it, it, there was that. And then, of course, the Jaguars went into a deep abyss. So he decided he was going to change his loyalty to the Dallas Cowboys. And I warned him back in the day. I said, (laughs) you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of heartbreak, just letting you know. So he he sent me a text yesterday and said, is there a version that exists where I can either write a check or get something notarized to no longer be a Cowboys fan? I said, I warned you when you switched that you'd be signing up for a lifetime of heartbreak. I've gone through it myself, you know, with the Rams. But at least I've been able to enjoy a couple of Super Bowl wins in, in, in my lifetime. So... I understand that. I understand the pain. You know, I went 32 years between I'm, the Dodgers winning World Series.
1: And, I'm pot committed as a Cowboys fan. Yeah. though. I can't. It's, I can't turn back now.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm so gonna what, do
1: it. I'm, I'm 39 years old. I'm gonna do find a new team.
0: Yeah. I want to do that. They, there's the best destruction of a, a TV ever there. There's that shot from the office there. Uh, uh, the the Jags also had uh, Tony Brackens at the time. Yes, they did. Absolutely. And then someone else saying, so according to you, Jeff, do Gerald residents settle their issues by the hog pen or the burn pile, according to John in the Bay? He's just setting you up for that. Out by the outhouse. Yeah, you keep saying that. You can't have outhouses there. They've got travel there plazas. Ri- there are
1: rituals that involve farm animals. Stop it! They have, they have they
0: have there's there's travel plazas out there. I stopped at one to get gas on Sunday on the way up to Waco. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, there is modernity in there. Okay. There is,
1: did you feel like you were if you'd hung around a little longer, you would be caught in a like a remake of the Hills Have Eyes. No, or something?
0: I was not. That, that can happen. Not. I could have gone in and got something to eat at the, if I wanted inside, but I did not. All I needed was gas, and then on my way to Waco. So, so there you go. Uh, somebody said certainly doesn't matter now, but is it true that Kittle should have been deemed an ineligible receiver on the juggling catch play? That's been dis- debated and discussed whether he was an eligible receiver on that play, um, but. They didn't rule it that. Can and, I say something like that I, says? Certainly doesn't matter now. Can I say
1: something that I often get told whenever I ask a direct question following a game?
0: What's that? I need to go watch the tape. I thought you were going to say, "Do you really want to know the answer?" No. Uh, no, you need to go watch the tape. Okay.
1: Don't um, have a problem with it's. Uh, yeah, you know.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we did the prediction pain thing there. I I feel the pain. I really do. A uh, cowboy fans, because I. I went through decades as a Rams fan with them not winning. When, when the Cowboys were winning in the in the 70s, they were they've made the Rams their victim several times. I can tell you. 73-NFC Divisional Playoff. Uh, Rams rallied back from two early fumbles by Lawrence McCutcheon. They pulled it within a point of, of the Cowboys, and then a rookie named Drew Pearson catches an 83-yard touchdown pass from Roger Staubach, and they pull away, and they win 27-16. Two years later, Rams are hosting the NFC Championship game. Six-and-a-half point favorite of the wild card Cowboys who had just won on the original Hail Mary of the Vikings and the Cowboys bludgeoned the Rams They beat them 37-7 to my good friend Preston Pearson had a great diving catch of a touchdown well, ruled a touchdown, if you looked at it today it would not be ruled a touchdown, you see the ball hit the ground underneath it, pop it up, and I've reminded him of that, and he goes, all I know is I got a $13,000 check back home that says it was a catch (laughs) Preston's great about that you know, uh, and then and then they played in the the, the uh they played in seventy six. The Rams did beat them at Texas Stadium fourteen to twelve in a real ugly game. But then they met in the NFC Championship game two years later, and the Cowboys in LA, the last time the Cowboys had won a road playoff game with blue jerseys until they won in Tampa, twenty eight nothing. Thomas Henderson with an interception. Hollywood dunks it over the goalpost. They win twenty-eight. Trust me, I went through it. And then the next year, the Rams ended Roger Staubach's career with the Billy Waddy touchdown pass, and they go to the Super Bowl. But there was plenty, plenty of heartbreak through the seventies, and the eighties, and the nineties for the Rams until they finally won. So I understand it. I get it. And the only, the only thing I can offer up to fans, if you're truly a fan of the team. You stay the course as a fan, and you hope that it's different with Cowboy fans because what they have to deal with with the owner. Because the ownership group changed twice during all of uh, my angst with the Rams. And, and, uh, it, and because Jerry is who he is and what he is and made himself the GM and do all that, that's an extra point of frustration and heartbreak that Cowboy fans have to deal with. And I feel badly for them for that. Uh, and i was rooting for him on sunday i'm that like i said i'm going to be like you said rooting for the soviet union against uh, yeah. uh the eagles you know i i'm i'm going to root i'm going to root for anybody against the 49ers as a rams fan so
1: <laughs> I, you know i've i've come to grips with what the cowboys could have been in the 90s the three super bowls in four years was awesome yeah. but there's always the argument well what if jimmy and jerry had gotten along and and where you know where would they be i think there's two things that i've come to grips with that I do think are rooted in reality one Jimmy Johnson proved throughout his career he wasn't going to stay in one place very long so whether it was after the 93 season after the 94 season he wouldn't have had one of these Bill Belichick Pete Carroll runs where he's there 10 to 15 years it just wasn't going to happen and two sal the salary cap was going to catch up with that team sooner or later now if Jimmy was managing the cap would they have fallen as fast and as hard as they did? Maybe not, but salary cap was still going to tear. It was going to
0: catch them. One of the you know this story. One of the, the back in those early to mid '90s when the Cowboys were winning a lot, uh, working up in Dallas, there were all kinds of radio shows. Some longer than others. Uh, uh, I did Jimmy's Show and Jerry's Show, which were call-in shows, but I also had daily shows reports with Jay Novacek. And with Herschel Walker, even beforehand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was interesting, I want to tell you. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, but uh, with Jay Novacek. And we used to joke about it being the Jay, no- call it jokingly refer to it, instead of the Jay Novacek Cowboy Report, it was kind of like the Jay Novacek Deer Kill Report, because he didn't want to talk football. <laughs> he wanted to talk about what they did on the off day. They went out and killed three deer today, or whatever, got a limit, or whatever, so he would go and do that. So they all had these... They all had these deals, but Jay Novacek was a plan B free agent. Yep. And not only Jay, but there would have been other Cowboys that would have dropped off because they would have run up against, well, quite frankly, what they're running up against right now. Because there's going to be cap issues in yeah. this team. And we know that. Trevon Diggs has to get paid.
1: CeeDee Lamb has to get paid. Yeah. Are you going to pay Dalton Schultz again? Yeah. Yeah. So, Tyron Smith's contract's probably coming off the books, whether he
0: retires <laughs> or moves on or whatever. See, and then and, and, listen. I, I, I'm just, I'll am just i say this, and I, I i salute, take my hat off, to fans who do have perspective. Here's one who said, 42-year-old lifetime Browns fan. Trust me, y'all haven't experienced that much. Red Ride 88, the fumble, the drive, the move, uh, 1-31, losing to Henny in the playoffs. And, and you lost your team them.
1: at one point. Mr. Brown's fan. You didn't Locked have a team to for for a few years.
0: I'll never forget when I was at North Lake College in Irving. We we're on winter break, and this was this was December of 80 or January of eighty one, the nineteen eighty season. We're driving. I was in an outdoor recreation seminar group, and we're driving to Kentucky for this for this big seminar. You got three credit hours for a week worth work writing hey. a paper, and as the sports editor of the North Lake News Register, all I had to do <laughs> was write the article. I was going to get three hours credit. There you go. So so I'm in the, the car with him, well, and these are in the days, of course, that, you know, primitive things, but uh, one guy brought his portable, battery-operated TV, a little black and nice. white, and I remember passing through Memphis on that Sunday afternoon and seeing Brian Seip throw the interception for the Browns that Mike Davis of the Raiders picked off in the end zone, when that Cleveland team... At the very least, could have been in the Super Bowl against the Eagles and might very well have won it. Instead, the Raiders, as a wild card, went on to beat the Chargers and then to beat the Eagles in Super Bowl fifteen. So I understand what he's talking. about, and The drive and the fumble and all that other stuff. So there's some perspective about that. So there's there's a lot of that other stuff. So yeah, and and uh, Niner fans here it said here. How about some perspective from a San Francisco fan? How about seeing your team make three Super Bowls and win only one when you were seven? That's true. Heartbreak these last 28 years. It's been 28 years since the yeah. Niners have won a Super Bowl, but they've been in them. They've been in them. They've been in the NFC Championship. they
1: rebuilt a couple of times.
0: They were in the NFC Championship last year. Who beat them? Oh, yeah, we know. Uh, so, yeah, I. there's always perspective. Unfortunately for Cowboy fans, a lot of them have more perspective than others because... Of the Browns, I get it. They've never even made a Super Bowl at all. Same thing with Lions fans or Texans fans. You know there are Jaguar fans
1: in my fandom. There are two losses I, I can tell you right now, at the top of my head, just yeah? gutted me. Yeah, and I can talk about one of the Texas losses because I was still in high school and I wasn't covering the team. Okay, which you learn. You, I don't know if it's cynicism seeps in or whatever, but. The 2001 Big 12 championship game is one of those that just, yep. even when I think about it now, I just get that uneasy feeling in my stomach. Your senior year of high school. And, yep. And then I remember we played in the uh, consolation game of the Bruceville Villetti tournament that morning, and I watched the game that night, and how everything unfolded, and it's just, oh, I can
0: remember like, that day vividly. And... You know what else happened that day? Ask Chad Hastings. The... Um... That was Bill Schoening's last season of doing the Mm play-by-play. In fact, I'd already started doing the play-by-play on basketball. He was transitioning into the Spurs, but he was going to finish out football. Well, UT wanted us both at Texas Stadium for the championship game instead of going to Chicago where the basketball team was playing Stanford at United Center. Chad Hastings went and called that game. Oh, nice. And Texas won that game. That day. So that that happened that day. Texas won a good that was a good quality uh win over a good Stanford team. Would that have been Brevin Knight, maybe? Might have. On the Stanford but they team? but they, they beat they beat Stanford that day. But nobody remembers that because right. of the Big Twelve Championship. Just
1: like no you know, Shocker's the win at Allen Fieldhouse. Maybe his most significant yeah. win. Is, nobody's gonna remember that why? Tom Herman got fired like ten minutes before. tip-off. We were off.
0: talking about that the other day. About but because it was on Saturday when we were um, when we were up in Morgantown because we were watching TCU take apart Kansas. Yeah, and it was their first ever win there. We said, "Remember when Shaka won there a couple of years ago?" Yeah, we, it was like another big thing happened that day. Tom Herman got fired before tip off,
1: and by the time the team got home, Sark had already been hired.
0: Yeah, and it was really weird too because. Um, uh, we were obviously still in protocols. Oh, yeah. So when we had to do the post-game interview with Shaka, it was by Zoom down in the locker room area. We'd uh, Scott McConnell done a great job of setting up a separate area with a laptop, and we had Shaka there on Zoom to do the post-game interview. It was a strange day. It was a strange day.
1: And the other loss that gutted me was the uh, the Cowboys, the O seven 7 divisional round playoff loss to the Giants, the Patrick Creighton oh. game. Oh, Still still, really not over that. Giants going that, to win the Super Bowl. That game, that game gutted me way more than the Romo fumbled that PAT snap.
0: Yeah. I was the, Because the
1: Cowboys legitimately had a chance to win the Super Bowl in that 07 season.
0: I was on a plane watching, I think it was on Frontier Airlines, watching the game on the screen right before takeoff, coming home from Denver after a basketball, I think loss, at Colorado that day on the Romo fumble. Snap <sighs> on that. It's <laughs> funny that you remember where you were when when uh, some of those things happened. Uh, before we get to the break, how about a Flex Thirty update for us? Can we uh, let's roll with a Flex Thirty update here. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to FLXATX.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. Well, one thing that we uh, would want to make you aware of, certainly, if you if haven't been keeping up with it, the latest state high school basketball polls Austin High still has its girls team rolling number 2 in the state in the 6A state rankings they're 24 and 3 now 11 and 0 in district 26 6A they've won 20 straight games last loss for those maroons came back in november uh and so it's it's good there's and then in uh 5A Hayes is up to number 4 Pflugerville is at number five. Hendrickson is seventh. Glenn is 14. McCallum 19. And Liberty Hill number 24 in that. Hey, you should know, Jeff, that in 3A Academy is number 15. Little River Academy. It's a basketball powerhouse. Yeah, absolutely. Bumblebees. Uh, Marble Falls is number 20. And Landon Pass is number 24 and 4A. And uh, Vista Ridge is 16 and 6A. So uh there you go in uh the updated state. Rankings. All right. Uh coming up next, we'll have our uh, Longhorn notebook. We'll hear from Marcus Carr. We will uh, also hear uh from Christian Bishop as we set up tonight's matchup, Texas and Oklahoma State at Moody Center, and uh some other Big 12 stuff to get to in our Longhorn notebook when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019-AM 1260. We're live local and digital on the Horn App and at Hornfm.com. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. As we continue trying to tell you something good. So, why don't we uh, see if we can uh, endeavor to tell you something good? Uh, I think we can do that. Let's uh, go to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Check her out on the web at Bowersockteam.com. That's Bowersockteam.com. Uh, Longhorns take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys tonight. We, we mentioned yesterday, we figured out that it was the first time since West Virginia joined the Big 12 in the 10 years they've been in the league that the Longhorns had won road games in the same year, in the same season, in Norman Stillwater and Morgantown. So uh the one in Stillwater was the second of the three. Remember they opened conference play with the win uh in uh Norman on New Year's Eve uh during the afternoon and then got back night, and then uh they went back uh, the next weekend and won in Stillwater. Now they try for the sweep uh tonight. First of all, uh the Christian bishop is uh is you know always has a good take on things and he like his Longhorn teammates understand the grind of this league. We saw it on display again last night. Kansas lost for the third time. I think it's only five times in the 20 years that Bill Self has been the coach there in uh, Lawrence that they've lost three in a row. And they're now 5-3 and three in the league after starting off 5-0 and oh in Big 12 Conference play. Baylor beat them last night in Waco. Baylor will be here, by the way, for Big Monday next Monday. So it's a grind. And here's Texas with an opportunity. If, if if Iowa State is to win, at, it were to win at Kansas State tonight, and Texas beat Oklahoma State, they'll be in a three-way tie for first place in the conference standings. It would happen that way. But Christian Bishop says that he understands the give and take that goes on when you have to play everybody in the league. With with twelve, you play everybody twice, and so um, it's really difficult to uh, sweep teams. Um, you know, obviously that's the goal. Uh, we got to protect the crib and just come out and do what we do. It's difficult, especially with a team like OSU. They're really good at defense. They're really well coached. they got good players on their team. And so we just have to come up and master their energy and do what we do. Yeah. Chances are if the of them win are going to win tonight, Marcus Carr will have something to do with it when Christian Bishop says do what we do. Uh, it has been Marcus as the go-to guy. Uh, hitting big shots, big second halves, had 19 of his 23 on Saturday night in the win over West Virginia. And uh, he was asked yesterday in the media available about, you know, what's working for you? How are you, you know, you're, you've are you been the guy. What is the biggest difference for you in helping your team get these wins? Uh, just, just just the work and, you know, just wanting to be that leader that carries that weight. Um, you know, I came here to really show that I'm a winner at the highest level and I feel like you know not just offensively defensively just making plays at the end of the game to to win games is really going to show my value so you know um, we all just want to take on that identity we have a kind of a coin phrase winning time that I'm sure most people use but you know we use in-house and that just lets us know you know we're all locked in we're all just you know doing everything we can selling all out so that we can win the game and you know sometimes that's maybe making a big shot or you know, getting a defensive stop or rebound, whatever it is, just try and make those plays constantly. Making those plays constantly, that's what you have to do in conference play if you're going to win on a consistent basis to put yourself in the upper echelon and have a chance to uh, to, to compete at a level. And you, you were talking about yesterday when the new AP poll came out, when you just look at all those big 12 teams mm-hmm. in there, it tells you about the balance in this league.
1: Six in the top, uh, 17, and you know Baylor probably will either hold, serve, or creep up after beating Kansas last night. Uh, A couple things, Craig, that I'm digesting, listening to that Marcus Carr audio and thinking about tonight. One is he's been able to continually get his shots and stay within the flow of the offense when he's had his hands on the ball more, which I think is huge. Mm -hmm. You look at last year at critical times, there were a lot of empty possessions where it's a lot of dribbling and the ball's not moving, it's getting stuck, and then you're forcing something late in the shot clock. That didn't really happen against West Virginia in the second half on Saturday. You know, if he can, whether he's got the ball in his hands or not, if he can just be aggressive and decisive Mm -hmm. and they can get the ball moving, this offense can be fine, especially until you figure out what you're going to do with this Tyrese Hunter situation with his cramps and. Try to manage manage his minutes. I don't. I just don't know what you do at this point with that whole deal. Uh, and and Jabari Rice has been solid. Maybe not the the production that you got from him the first few conference games, but you you know night in night out from an effort standpoint, what you're gonna get from Jabari Rice. Yep. Uh, and, and I said this after uh, the loss to Iowa State. I love you know Timmy Allen and Christian Bishop. You're just not gonna win a lot of games in this league when those guys are your leading scorers at the end of the night. Your guards have to produce, and I think the biggest key is Marcus Carr continuing to be decisive and managing Tyrese Hunter's minutes as best you can. The other thing that I'm that's top of mind for me, when you think about the Big 12 standings and putting yourself in a position to go get a piece of a conference championship or maybe go win it outright, get it, how many sweeps can you
0: put together? Because mm-hmm. you're going to
1: end up splitting some of these series, especially with the better teams in the league.
0: And hopefully don't drop right. both.
1: And with... With Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, you've already, can, you've already done the hardest part of getting yourself in a position to sweep, which is winning those three games on the road. Now if you can defend home court, that's three more conference wins you can kind of put in your in your quiver, so to say, for lack of a better term. So I think getting the sweep over Oklahoma State is big just in terms of stacking as many wins as you can while you can.
0: And Oklahoma State's been good of late. Yeah. They beat Oklahoma last week in Bedlam and then beat Iowa State. They were down 25-9 in the first half and came back and beat Iowa State 61-59 on that. So I mentioned Iowa State and Kansas State. That game is in Ames mm-hmm. tonight. If Iowa State were to win that game, and the Longhorns win over Oklahoma State. There's a three way tie in the Big Twelve standings at six and two with one more game until you get to the halfway point. Right. But that would be next week, because remember they step out of conference this weekend uh with the uh you know the SEC Big Twelve Challenge and what a challenge the Longhorns are gonna have going to Knoxville to take on fourth yeah. ranked Tennessee. That'll be a top ten head to head matchup. ESPN college basketball game day is gonna be there in Knoxville going to be a pretty crazy environment. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the coach at uh, Tennessee used to coach at Texas. Yeah, we remember all that from last year.
1: Um The other thing, too, and I, I've been scrolling Twitter this morning and seeing some feedback, some Big 12 basketball feedback. They're starting to become this argument, this narrative that, well, can a Big 12 team win a national championship? Are there really elite teams in the Big 12? I think there, there's a debate to be made. Is there, is there a truly elite team in this conference like that can legitimately mm-hmm. go win a national championship or that would be a favorite to win a national championship? You can have that debate if you want to, but what's not debatable and, and what really stands out about this league, there are no bad teams in this league. Like Texas Tech's in the last place in the league. Would you say Texas Tech is a
0: bad team? No. In fact, Jay Billis said last night on the telecast, the, the, I want to make sure I paraphrase him properly. He said, it seems that there's no bottom in this league. There's not a bottom. He said you just keep going through and playing playing good teams. And for Texas Tech to be 0-7 in the league, uh, they've had a lot of heartbreak, including in Austin, when they had a double-digit lead on Texas. They've been there with a chance. Uh, They're going to get some teams on down the road. You point out the importance of getting splits. Uh, The Longhorns, of course, defended the home court against Texas Tech. And, um... You know they're going to have to defend the home court against Iowa State just to get a split. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to win in Manhattan just to get a split. Yeah,
1: that's going to be tough, obviously.
0: But if they but if they handle their business at home against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, then they get a sweep. And we haven't even talked about the fact they still have to play two games against Baylor and two games against Kansas. Right. <laughs> they they have to do that. I know everybody lined up that schedule and they looked at that and said, oh, "What a murderer's right. Wouldn't it wouldn't matter what what order you would have put those games in. It was going to be all difficult. And what you're talking about, uh, it will remind me of when I was – a teenager and everything, when folks said the ACC just beats up on one another and so there's nothing left for the NCAA tournament. Like when Carolina lost to Marquette and Al McGuire-Swansong in mm-hmm. 77 and there were other teams that had to, Duke in 78 losing to Kentucky uh, in the final. Uh, Carolina and Duke were number 1 and number 2 in the country and they lost on Black Sunday on Tobacco Road in the first round or second round of the NCAA tournament after they got a first round bye in 79 in Raleigh at Reynolds Coliseum. Those things do happen over time. But I would I would take this. I would take being battle-tested and a chance to yeah. win over being quote-unquote beaten down or worn out or burned out or beaten down or whatever by the time you get through your conference tournament into the NCAA tournament. I, I would take that chance on that with what these guys, not just Texas, but Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas, Baylor, all of them, are, are dealing with, I think it toughens you for for what's to come once you reach the NCAA term. We saw it last year with Iowa State reaching the Sweet 16. Yeah. I don't think people would have saw that. And then, of course, Kansas wins the national title, and the Big 12's won the last two national titles. Another thing that Jay Billis said last night, he said, I don't think at this point in January last year folks would have looked at Kansas and said, yeah, they're going to win the national title. Right. But they got better. And he ultimately ended up winning. And I think that's ultimately what will happen to some of these Big 12 teams. As long as they stay healthy, the toughness of the competition is going to make them better for ultimately the NCAA tournament. And,
1: and there are good teams in the country. I don't know that I've seen a team that just blows me away and I say, oh, they're an elite team. No.
0: like I would, I could,
1: can't say that about Purdue because until Matt Painter mm-hmm. gets to a Final Four with the way he's constructed that roster. And it's worked for him in a Big Ten play. Right. But he hasn't gotten over the hump, even though he's had some really good players. Houston
0: looked pretty normal the other day in a loss to Temple. Yeah, I mean, but they're very talented.
1: Alabama's got basically yeah. basically what it's counted as a neutral site loss. Basically, what amounts to a home loss to Gonzaga. Right, who's had their struggles this year? So I mean, there's just not that one team that just jumps out to you. Say, wow, that's a great NCAA tournament team. Uh, but I, I do think, Craig, I think about this a lot. Like. You think about this kind of in college football, like if you oh if you took this SEC team and put them in this league, like I think about like if you took like West Virginia and Texas Tech and put them in pretty much any other Power Six league, mm-hmm. like how where would they be? They are probably top twenty five teams right
0: now. They'd be in the thick of the fight in the Big East or the SEC, the ACC, twelve, the ACC. They would. They, they would maybe they would with
1: be... the with the possible exception of the Big
0: Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously a, a really good look. But I,
1: I think my point is proven there. You put those teams in virtually any other yep. Power Six league, they're probably top 25 teams right now.
0: Absolutely. All right, uh, there's uh, uh, there's our Longhorn Notebooks. Donor says, I would argue that we have four to five Big 12 teams that will run away with the ACC this year. I don't know, run away, but certainly could win it. Absolutely. Clemson in first place in that league right now? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's a Tennessee looks good. Yeah, we know. We've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look real good. <laughs> so uh, there you go. All yeah, right. Yeah,
1: Clemson is. They're 8 and 1 in yeah, the league.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wang and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. You know, we get ready to wrap up here. Uh, somebody had asked me about NCAA tournament sites. You can go to the website. Uh, but, um, you know, the Final Four's in Houston.
1: Thank goodness, because your regional sites,
0: the, I think Denver, so much. Denver's the closest, uh, I think. Or Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah, Birmingham, yeah. So, uh, hey, Well,
1: the last time Texas was in Birmingham. Yeah,
0: final four, man. Yeah. Uh, Greensboro's one of them, so I, I wouldn't mind going back to the hometown if it was that. But they've they got Sacramento is one Des of them. Des Moines. Des Moines. Albany. Yeah. One of the Sweet 16 sites is Kansas City. So something to keep in mind for that. All right, uh, 7.30 airtime, 8 o'clock tip tonight. Texas against Oklahoma State. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are coming up next. Jeff and I will be back tomorrow. Thanks to Cam Park, our producer. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock right here on Light the Tower.